But we're in a series right now called The Unstoppable God. How many is glad you serve an unstoppable God? Amen. How many is glad you read the first and the last chapter and we know we win? Isn't that a great feeling? Just to know before you go into battle, we got this. That's a good feeling. That's like playing a baseball game and know you're going to win. You know, that just helps out when you're just behind a little bit. No, it's not going to stay this way, all right? And, and that's the way it is in our Christian journey. And last week we talked about the unstoppable church. And how many knows when you try to do it your way or you have your agenda, things can collapse. But when you've got the heart of God and God's the center of why you do, your church is unstoppable. And, and we share with you about the church here at TC and, and the vision and the mission that we have and, and it's connected directly with the heart of God. And, and we're unstoppable in what God's called us to do. Amen. How many glad you're part of something that's unstoppable? Amen. And, and the testimonies keep coming in. Matter of fact, we had two ladies just give their life to Jesus in the 8 o'clock service that's coming out of drug addiction. And, and they both were here today and they said, we made a decision this week to turn our life around, and, and we've never been to this church before, but God told us to stop here and that this would be a place that we could turn our life around. And at 8 o'clock, they both gave their heart to Jesus. Amen. Isn't God awesome? Come on. Amen. And so today I want to take you, last Sunday I announced that we were going to talk about the unstoppable marriage, and I went home, and I'll be honest with you, I, I started feeling a little bit of a change. I'm going to stay in the area, but I want to broaden that, and I want to talk about the unstoppable family. Because how many knows that's the marriage and the others? <laughs> and how many knows some of the others is usually part of the problem with the marriage, okay? And, uh, and so I want to talk about the unstoppable family. How many wants to have an unstoppable family? I mean, you can't lose. <clears throat> the enemy can't win. And so I want to talk to you about that today. And, you know, how many's found out children can do crazy things? Anybody found that? Anybody had any? In that? All right. And, and this Sunday school teacher was teaching her kids one Sunday, and she told them, she said, okay, your assignment this week is I want you to write God a letter, and I want you to bring it back next Sunday so we can read it together. And so this little six-year-old wrote her letter during the week, and she wrote it back to her teacher, and her teacher opened it up, and it said, dear God, we had an awesome, awesome church service today. Wish you could have been here. <clears throat> that is not the church we want, okay? And, uh, and so that does not fit us, all right? And uh, how many of those kids will tell you what they think, okay, and how they feel? And, and so I want to talk to you today. I was very blessed talking about the family. I was one of those that was very blessed. I grew up in what would be called a very functional family. Uh, I had a father that was a, a great man of God, a hard, hardest working man I ever met, a godly man. He was a man that understood his role to provide and protect and guide our family. I grew up with a mom that was a biblical Proverbs 31 mother that prided herself in, in managing her family and her home. And, and to have that in my life, a home established on the principles of God's word, it was established on hard work, respect for authority, to see everyone equal in value and worth and to treat them in that manner. But today, the functional family has been compromised and now has been traded for a dysfunctional, what society calls a dysfunctional family. And I want to talk about that today, not in a negative way, but today we see the families. How many, how many ever watched the little program, Little House on the Prairie? Those days are gone. You were just peaceful, and everybody loves each other, and you just work, and everything's wonderful, and that's not like that today, but today, the functional family's been replaced by homes filled with hurt, and hatred, and violence, and confusion, and fear, 
and society calls them dysfunctional. But when you stop and look back, you will find out that the attack upon the family is not anything new. This was where Satan put his very first attack in the beginning of time, and that attack has been there. And the reason that Satan is attacking our family so bad is that the family unit is God's number one witness to the world, is that our family is a representation of the church, that our family shows what the church should look like as a corporate body we should see individually as families. And that's why the enemy hates your family. He wants to destroy your family. And, and this is why last week we told you the first thing you've got to realize is that you have one enemy. And your enemy is Satan. It's the devil, and he wants to destroy you, your church, and he wants to destroy your family. But you see, the attack on the family goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. When God created them, the Garden of Eden, and he's going to come commune with them. There's perfect fellowship. And yet they found a way to sin. They couldn't break the Ten Commandments. You couldn't cover your neighbor's stuff because you didn't have a neighbor. You, you, you couldn't steal because everything was theirs. But they found a way to sin, and that was to walk in disobedience to the Word of God. And so at that moment, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and they produced two children called Cain and Abel, and it was a dysfunctional family because there they got in a scuffle and one killed the other, and there was murder in the very first family that God created. It was extremely dysfunctional. And from them came all the families of the earth. And so the Bible said that it got so bad that one day God looked down out of heaven and said that he repented that he had ever made man and put him on the earth. God said that. He looked down and saw such dysfunction and chaos and hatred and anger. Can, can't you see God saying that today? <clears throat> with that, the, the creation that he created that's supposed to be one family so filled with hatred and division, mankind, and so God said, I, I, I repent that I even made man. So he sent a flood and destroyed everything on the earth except one family and those that would listen to the call of God. And no one did except the family of Noah. And so God said, we're going to start it all over again. But even with this, the family went right back to being dysfunctional. So God put together a plan I want to talk to you about today that when he tried with Adam and Eve, and excuse the voice, just stay with me, it didn't work. Then he tried with Noah and start over again. Didn't work. So then he comes and says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to Abraham and we're going to start. And I'm going to show him how to build an unstoppable family. We find it in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And it says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great, say it with me, nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And here's what I want you to hear. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. He's saying now to Abraham, we're going to start over, and I'm going to establish a covenant with you, and through your seed, I'm going to bless the nations of the earth. The first thing I do when I counsel people is I ask them a question, and that question is, tell me about your family. When I counsel individuals, when I counsel married couples, the first question, tell me about your family, because their family is going to answer 90% of my questions. 
Where they come from? What, what's your family? Is it functional, dysfunctional? Is there abuse? Is there love? What's, the, what's your family look like? Because the family is going to answer 90% of the questions that I have. And God wants to understand today that he's using Abraham to set in motion a plan to establish the unstoppable family. And Abraham's lineage, and here's what we've got to see today, is twofold. Number one is physical, where he's got his natural lineage of his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and so on. But God said, you're going to be the father bigger than that. You're going to be the father of nations, and you're going to be the father of nations spiritually, and your children or your seed, your heirs, are going to outnumber the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. That there's going to be that many that's going to come in. And so when we see this, Abraham's lineage is spiritual. That, that it's there. It's the, those that will come in now and they say, Jesus, I need you in my life. That we were the Gentiles and are the Gentiles. That we could not get to God. But now through Christ, who is the offspring of that lineage, we now get to come into the covenant that God made with Abraham. How many is thankful today that you get to join the covenant that he just made in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and the blessings that God put on Abraham can be on your family today? Come on, how many is thankful for that? That through you, and here's what some of you have got to start seeing. You've got to quit seeing your family as cursed and dysfunctional and start seeing it as becoming functional and blessed. And I'm going to help you with that today, all right? And so I want to talk to you. How many is... Well, I don't want to have hands on that. Well, let's just do it because I'm raising mine. How many's got some stuff in your family that you need to turn, you need God to help turn some stuff around? Come on, let's get on it. I got feet in the air. I got elbows going throughout the sanctuary. Get your hand up in case God's watching. Come on. Okay. <laughs> need God to fix some things, right? And I want to help you. I want to talk pastoral to you today. And then there was physical, the lineage of Abraham, where we see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. But in that lineage, there was the son called Jacob. And Jacob wrestled with God. And he wrestled with God to a point that God touched him in the hollow of his thigh and put a limp on him, and he changed his name from Jacob, the deceiver, to Israel. And through him came 12 tribes of Israel that now we still represent today. And so even with this, there was a conflict that rose. So God, through Abraham, comes in and goes, okay, we're going to do it again. And now there's still another conflict because Isaac, there was Abraham, then Isaac. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, she's trying to have children. She was barren, could not have children, and then all of a sudden she becomes pregnant. She doesn't have one. She has two. From barren to twins in her womb, and all of a sudden, some things begin to happen because there was two boys inside of her womb, one named Esau and one named Jacob. And, and they begin to wrestle inside of her. And Esau was going to be the elder brother. And in the culture of that day, the elder brother inherited the birthright. He received the right-hand blessing of the father. And he inherited all the belongings of the father. He became the owner of it. But God knew that there were some dysfunctional issues in the firstborn named Esau. And so God says, I'm going to change some things because if I allow it to take its natural course, dysfunctionalism is going to take over and I'm not going to get to fulfill my plan upon the earth. And so he switched and made the younger the heir and he cursed the older. It's found in Genesis 25. Watch this with me. I'll read it. Here it goes. 
Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebekah, because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer. You need to know what you're praying for. If you don't want them, don't ask for them. The Lord answered, wait, go back, go back. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. Okay? The babies jostled. They're already fighting. They're already at war with each other jostled each within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now watch the answer. The Lord said to her, not two sons, not two babies, but two nations are within your womb. And two peoples, not people, two peoples representing two nations are within you, and they will be separated. One people or nation will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. God was turning the norm in reverse as a means of setting the stage for the beginning of a lineage that would become an unstoppable family that would lead to you and I today. Are you with me? All right? And so God makes a choice and declares in Romans, he says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated even before they were born. He did not hate Esau as a person. He did not like what he represented. And if you go to Esau was the owner or the leader of the Edomites and at 70 AD, they're no longer even on the earth. They have disappeared and no longer exist as a people. So God knew what he was doing because through Jacob now, we see a brand new lineage that's now gonna get started and it creates what God calls an unstoppable family. And so then Jacob, watch this, he has sons and his 11th son is named Joseph. So I'm taking you on some journey. You still, all right? In Genesis 37, two and four, it says, now Israel or Jacob, he loved Joseph more and Joseph now is his seventh son so here's Jacob now. He's having his family, his lineage, his seventh son. He loved him more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornament or a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Does anyone besides me see a pattern of God reestablishing an order and Satan immediately coming to bring dysfunction to it? Are you, are you with me? I'm trying to get you to see a, a journey. We're going through the journey from the beginning of time. And so Joseph, he's now born seventh in line, and Joseph is his father's favorite but God gives Joseph some dreams because he was God's favorite too. And, and God gives Joseph some dreams and he dreams, and I'll wrap it up, that one day he, he's now being elevated and all of his brothers come and bow down and worship him and they serve him. And he had the nerve to go tell them that. Not a good thing. And he went and he bragged to his brothers and said, guess what? God gave me a dream last night and you guys are gonna bow down one day and you're gonna serve me. That's not what little brothers are supposed to tell their older brothers. That does not fly in the household. Anybody with me on that? I don't like my older brother telling me that, much less the younger brother. And all of a sudden, it created some discord, and things happen. And I want to share with you real quick. We're not going to preach on these, but I want to give you seven red lights that happen in the house of Jacob with Joseph and his brothers 
that if you identify them, you need to identify what they are and they're, they're an attack of the enemy that the enemy's bringing to create dysfunction in your family. And we're going to quickly go through them to get to some points I want to cover on the other side. You with me? And so number one, here's the first thing we see in Joseph's house. First thing happened was discord. Joseph told his brothers the dreams to aggravate them. And he would tell his brothers, you're, you're going to worship and bow down on me. And here's what Joseph was a pro at. He would run back to his daddy and tell on his brothers. He was a tattletale. And he'd go, Dad, do you know, Dad, did you, Dad, did you see that? And it kept discord within the family. And if you see that taking place in your family, you need to identify it, that it's not normal. Here's what's happened in society today, and we talk about this in our leadership, in, the, in, in, the, in our church, because we're dealing with a lot of families, going through a lot of things and individuals, is that what we grew up calling norm is no longer norm. Today, for a wife to grow up being beat and cheated on and, and mistreated, they think that's the way everybody does it, so it's the way it's supposed to be. Not in my house, nor in God's house, nor the house that God desired for you to live in. And, and much of what today we call norm is not norm. And, and what happens is people think, well, every family just fights, so let's fight with them. And you allow the spirit of discord to come in your house. Number two, there was favoritism. Well, if there's any institutional society that favoritism shows up, it's the family, isn't it? And there was favoritism, and, and you got to be careful today. It's okay to have certain kids and family and all of that, but you got to realize the spirit of favoritism, and it took place when Jacob began to show more attention to Joseph. And parents, can I tell you today, you need to be careful how you're raising your kids that you raise them equal, not favorites, because they pick up on it. You don't know how many times that I've heard, this youth pastor's heard from teenagers that go, I don't know why they don't love me as much as they love him or her. We hear that. So you need to be careful that you don't let the spirit of favoritism come into your home because it'll make your home dysfunctional. Your children will go find acceptance and affirmation from somebody else if they don't get it equally from you. That's worth coming to church for right there. Number three, when favoritism takes place, it turns to hatred. There was hatred in the house. All the brothers, the Bible, I just read, all of them hated Joseph. They hated Joseph because of the blessing that his father had put on, on him, and they hated him because he was an aggravating tattletale. <laughs> and hatred breeds jealousy. The brothers were jealous over the favoritism given to Joseph by the father. They were jealous over the dreams that he was having from God. They were jealous. Boy, isn't that spirit easy to grab hold of in our families today? And let me tell you something, parents. Everybody look at me for a second. Your kids pick up on what you're saying. And when you're at home talking about, well, I don't have that, that Lexus that the Smiths got in the parking lot of the church. I don't know why God's blessing them and not blessing us. Your kids are listening to that. When you're at home talking about what you don't have instead of your children hearing you thank God for what you do have, you're teaching favoritism to your children and you're telling them you're not one of his favorite. That's good preaching right there. I'm telling you. And then, and then it turns to suspicion. Suspicion. They, these brothers are sitting out there going, what, what if those dreams might be true? 
suspicion starts coming in, and, and isn't that an attack of the enemy today? What is he doing when he's on that business trip? What, what is she doing when she's going to lunch? What, what are they doing on that internet? What, isn't that an attack of the enemy just to get you to start thinking stuff that's not even there? But if the enemy can just get suspicion in your family, he makes it stoppable. You don't know the number of people that we counsel. Our ministries counsel meet with couples, and the whole thing's based on suspicion with no facts because we live in a society that wants our families suspicious of each other. It's the enemy's plan. And then there's division because anytime that you come into a place of suspicion, you're dividing your relationship. When they saw Joseph coming, they agreed among themselves, let's kill him. Let's kill him. Then they said, no, let's don't do that. Dad will hate us, so let's do this. Let's take his coat and kill an animal and put blood on it and take it to Dad and tell Dad that an animal killed him, and we'll just put him in a pit over here and sell him to somebody when they come by as a slave. And they did. Anybody here ever had a little brother, a little sister? Don't you wish you could have sold them? <laughs> I just thought of that when I was putting this together. I'd have sold my sister so fast. She gone. She can't play ball or hunt, so why keep her around? <laughs> Got an older brother. Who needs a little sister? <laughs> she don't cut grass. She can't fill in. But then it turned to murder. I just lost half of you, but okay. I was kidding, all right? It's like, really? Murder. The discord, the hatred, the jealousy, the vision led to a spirit of murder in the family. You see, my, I was talking about my sister. My sister got away with everything. Number one, she was the last child. Number two, she was a girl. And it was me and my older brother. So she got away. We got whipped for stuff that if we thought about it, we got a beating and she could do it and get away with it. You know, that's just not fair. You know what I mean? But my brother and I were very close. Dave, he, you know, he's suffering right now with a brain disease, but he was an amazing ball player, one of the best in our city at our age group, amazing pitcher. I was a catcher. And so every day we live life together. We fought like brothers do, you know, but not that much. We really didn't. We, we were best friends. And, and every day after school, man, I had the catcher's mitt on and we were throwing and we were good together. And, and our team got first place most all the time because of him. He was just an amazing athlete. and pre But we had these neighbors named Ronnie and Mike Vincent that were mean as a snake. And they were older than us. They were always in jail, juvenile, court. I mean, just mean stealing our stuff. And, and one day, Dave, and we were out there playing, and Mike, the younger brother, he got mad and threw a horseshoe and hit Dave in the neck. And Dave took off after Mike. And then Ronnie, Mike's big brother, took off after Dave. And so I took off after Ronnie. And here's all four of us going through the neighborhood, and we get on this big field, and I'm, I was fast then. I wasn't this big, all right? And, and, and everything worked good, all right? But I'm running, and, I'm, and the closer I got, the bigger he became. And I started thinking, if I catch him, he's going to kill me. But my brother was thinking ahead, so he hid in some bushes. And when Ronnie come by, he jumped out and jumped on Ronnie, and the two of us beat the fire out of him, man. I mean, we, we put a whooping on Ronnie. Now, we're not advertising that. But if you get to do it, come and tell me, because that was fun. And if your kid goes and does that, he heard that from Ted Trailer at Olive Baptist. <laughs> Dr. Ted's one of my friends, so thank you, Ted. Appreciate that. All right. 
So here's what I want to tell you, and we've got about just a few minutes. I want to throw you, run you through some points that are not long, but I, I want to help you today because how many wants to go, okay, I identify some of that stuff's been against my family. How many's identified a few already, all right? I want to help you today because here's what God wants you to understand, that no matter where your family's come from today, he can fix it. No matter where your family, whatever dysfunction, whatever you've gone through today, how many's glad we serve a redemptive God? that can turn everything around and, and it doesn't have to stay that way. And there's some stuff that God wants to fix and, and God has an amazing way of taking you through what we call here the, at TC our mission. And our mission is very simple. It's, it's, number one is that we just want you to know God. The first step to turning your family around is that you know God and we call that our Sunday experience here. And, and then once you know God, like those two young ladies just found him this morning, the first thing we talk to them about is we want you to now come into step number two and that's we want you to find freedom. And we stood with them at the door and we go, your next step here is to find freedom. We're gonna help you do that. And we have things called small group. And we want to connect you with a small group and make sure you go over there to a table and, and, and you've you got an addiction problem. We have a small group that meets on Thursday nights and, and they deal with that and let's connect you with that small group. And, and then the third step of the process is we want you to discover your purpose. And, and we do that through a thing called Grow Track. And we're going to help identify the gifts and the callings of God within you. And then once you find those, we're going to help you make a difference in the lives of others. And we're going to help you go out and change people's lives and find fulfillment in God. And what a master plan God has set. Amen. And when you do that individually, you find it corporately in your family. And can I tell you, God's got a master plan that he wants to take your family on. And I want to help you with that today. All right. Because when God starts to work in a family, he finishes it. He completes it. And so I want you to come to this because here's Joseph now. He's brought to Potiphar. He's then accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. He's thrown into prison, and here's what I want you to get. He's thrown into prison, but there he interprets dreams, and Pharaoh has a dream, and they call, and they get Joseph to come, and he interprets the dream, and then Joseph now finds favor with Pharaoh, and he becomes the second highest person in Egypt. But here's what I want you to see is that God took Joseph on a journey that had some ups and downs in it, to get him to where he needed him to be so that his family would become unstoppable and through them the nations of the earth would be blessed. And many of you, like me, have gone through some very painful things in your life. There's been some things that you didn't desire. There, there's been some things that were out of your control. And you've gone through some pit experiences and you've gone through the false accusations and you've gone through the anger and you've gone through the frustration. But God redeemed this dysfunctional family. He took this dysfunctional family of Joseph and of Jacob and all the stuff I just gave you and God says, okay, through you, I'm gonna bless the nations of the earth, Joseph, but before that, I gotta get that ego out of you. I gotta get all this stuff out of you. I've gotta heal your family. I gotta bring them together and the way God brought them together was for a famine to hit Egypt and they had to come back to come to the Pharaoh to, to find the, the meal because Joseph created an irrigation system that they flourished even in the midst of famine and so all the nations were coming to Egypt to get their food and Joseph was in charge of it and all the nations meant his family too and so the very boys, the very brothers that hated him and sold him now have to come to him, and guess what? The dream's fulfilled, and they bow before their brother Joseph, but he didn't let them bow long. 
He pulls them up and says, set the big table. This is my family. We're going to eat together as a family now. And God brought total healing to that family and brought it to a place it was unstoppable, and we get to walk that out today. And can I tell you, no matter all the confusion that you've gone through in your family, God has a plan today that he wants to put you on track, that your family becomes the family of Joseph. You become unstoppable. Are you with me? All right? And so I want to share with you today, how does God build an unstoppable family? How how does God do that? Number one, get your notes out. The first thing, and these are very simple. These are not deep theology or anything like that. They're simple, but they'll work for you. Number one is you got to return to God's word. The psalmist said in 109, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You got to return to God's word. Don't build your house on what CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or especially the dysfunctional view. Come on. Hmm. That was Dr. Ted Trailer too. And, uh, boy, am I getting an email from Ted. Why are you letting dysfunctional mindsets tell you how to operate what's supposed to be a functional family? And anything that opposes the word of God's dysfunctional. Stay with me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anything that opposes the word of God's dysfunctional, it's not going to work for you. And when you're listening to mindsets and letting them govern how you govern your family, you're going to stay dysfunctional. But when you come, and here's three words that will fix your, everything in your family. The Bible says. The Bible says. How, how do we address this issue? The Bible says. What, what, what do we? The Bible says. What, the Bible says. Get the word of God back in your family. Number two is you got to trust God through the good and the bad because it's going to hit every one of us if it hadn't already. you you got to trust God through the good times and the bad times. We all understand that life is filled with blessings and struggles. We receive and we also get taken from. All of us in life deal with that. The most blessed families I know today are godly families who went through hell went through pain, went through hurt, but they held on to the Bible says and they held on to God's word and they trusted God and today they're blessed and highly favored in the Lord and God wants you to know, yeah, you're gonna have those days where everything's perfect and you're gonna have those seasons, man, where it feels like everything in the world's come against you. God wants you to know he's got a plan for your family and he's going to walk you through that that hard and and trying time. The scars are there. The memories live on in their minds. But when God's redemptive plan begins to unfold in your life, you begin to understand the moments of unanswered questions. Now they begin to make sense. Sleepless nights, anger, the unbearable pain were all the part of the process of God getting you into a place preparing you to live out your divine purpose in Christ and you're going to love every minute of it. While you do, you gotta. You can't quit when the bad times come. You can't say God's forsaken me when the bad times come. Joseph never received his blessing in the pit. He never received it in the prison, but he got a hold of it when he got to the palace. And can I tell you, God's got a palace experience for every person that's willing to endure the pit and the prison. Weeping may endure for the night, but your joy will come. 
in the morning. I'm, I'm going to say that one. Your weeping may endure. And anybody besides me had some of those nights say, weeping may endure for the night, but your joy will come in the morning. Let me share this with you. In Job's 1, 21 says, Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's what I want you to see in Job's story. He never one time accused God. He never one time held God hostage on his decision. He trusted God. And in every place that God took from Job, he gave him back double and more. And here's what I want to say to you today. You will never reach your purpose in life if you hold God hostage to your anger and unforgiveness. That's worth writing down. You will never reach your purpose in life if you hold God hostage to your anger and your unforgiveness. I could not stand here today and preach to you if I walked that over my brother and my grandson because I don't get it. But I'm not holding God hostage. I'm trusting God through the difficult times that he loves me and he's just as faithful when the good times. He's got a purpose in everything. And you've got to come today and realize that your family is going to have seasons where everything's beautiful and you're going to have seasons where things are tough. But Jesus said God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are deeper than our thoughts. I asked him yesterday, my little niece back there, she's so pretty. Raise your hand. Stand up. Look at that pretty girl right there. Yeah, she's there. Now I made an enemy. She's, I'm in trouble. I'm her favorite uncle. I'm saying that. She can't say that because she's got more. But um, she is my favorite niece, my only one and my favorite one. And, uh, but her cheerleading team won first place yesterday in her division. They did. Yeah. And, uh, and she's good. She leads the whole team. And, but I'm not going to lie to you. I sit in the stands yesterday, and I said, God, why can't my brother be here? Why can't my brother be here to embrace his granddaughter and yell for her and watch her run up and jump in his arms with her trophy? Why, why can't he be here? And I went home, and I had Jabin sitting out there and him jerking and, and all. And I'm not going to lie to you. I sit there watching thousands or hundreds of kids walk by and go, why can't he do that, God? Why can't I watch him play ball? The mind. Boy, the enemy will play with you, won't he? And I'm not going to lie. I went home, and I had to regroup and reengage and go, okay, Pitt prison, but we got a palace coming, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my recliner yesterday as I held him, and I'm, I'm in this thing with God, and he said, I haven't revealed it yet, but I will reveal it to you soon, but I have this. You keep trusting me. You keep preaching my word. You keep going. Don't, I have this. I will reveal it to you soon, and I don't understand that, but I'm telling you, you got to realize today your palace is coming. Your palace is coming. You got to stay faithful. Number three is maintain character and integrity. Maintain character and integrity. Do you know that during the Great Depression, over 1.5 million men abandoned their wives and children? Over 1.5 million husbands and fathers abandoned their families during the Great Depression. But the psalmist said, may integrity and honesty protect me for I put my hope in you. My dad was the greatest example of that. My dad was injured on an accident on his job in a box company, and he did something wrong. He got in the machine he shouldn't have got in, 
and, and, and it caught him in the belt and took him up and a blade come down and cut his ear off and was going through his neck to decapitate him and they shut the whole plant down. And I remember sitting in the room in my living room with the insurance people and I, remember, I was there as a young boy and they told my dad, if you just, just you know, tell a little white lie and, and sign this and say that you didn't do anything wrong, you'll be fully compensated by the insurance. And I will never forget my father laid the pen down and looked at my mom and said, I will not lie. I will not lie. I will not lie. I will not bring the curse of God upon my family. I was wrong. And for a year and a half, my father did not receive a check. No income. My family never missed a bill. Every bill was paid. But I watched integrity rise up above crisis. And then I'll never forget that, that injury caused a tumor that made my dad eventually lose his life. But that tumor caused my father to have surgery. And when he came out of surgery, the owner where he worked sold the company and they told him they didn't need him anymore. And now he's 58 years old, massive brain surgery, and nobody wants to hire him. And he had built my mom a little 1,300-square-foot house that he was so proud of. And the only day I've ever heard my dad cry in my life, other than at the altar or in prayer, was that day when he called me in New York City. And he said, Dan, Mama's going to lose her house. I've lost my job. Nobody will hire me. Mama's going to lose her house. And I'll never forget, on that phone, I picked up an old New Testament Bible that I was preaching out of then. Or, or a Thompson Chain Bible, and I held it. And I said, Dad, if you lose your house, I will never preach out of this book again because it's a lie. You will not lose your house. You are the most faithful man of integrity and character I've ever met in my life. God's going to provide for you. Not knowing that the people that my mom and dad had brought in their home all those years, drug addicts, homeless, that lived in my house, that are now serving God and married, they came together and paid my mom's house off for that Christmas. God's got a way. And your family, you want it unstoppable? Keep it filled with integrity and character. Don't go with the way of the world. Go with God's way. Number four, and I'm just going to give these to you. Believe God desires great things for you. How many believes that today? That God really wants great things for you. God wants your family blessed. God wants you to have the best. He wants your family to succeed. He wants your children to prosper. You got to believe that. Then next of all, don't think that you're the only one. Boy, don't we get there whenever stuff goes a little south and some little things hit and all of a sudden, oh, my family's the only one going through this. No, you're not. Because here's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to isolate yourself. He wants you to feel inferior. We're the only one, not, not prior. We're the only one in this church that don't have, we're the only one, we're the only one. No, no. Because inferiority, the feeling of inferiority will always lead to isolation. And isolation always breeds, listen to me, self-pity. Don't go there. Number six is remember the people of God. In the midst of God taking you on your journey, don't forget there's still other people that need ministered to. Don't forget you're part of a family bigger than you and your family. Don't miss the household of faith. Parents, bring your children to Kids Zone. Get your children in the Word of God. Get your children here on Wednesday nights at 517. Let them enjoy that service. Let them be a part. Let them develop. Bring yourself. Be a part. Don't, don't ignore the people of God. Don't ignore your big family when God's wanting to bring and make your family unstoppable. And last of all, develop a sense of purpose and calling. Develop that sense of purpose and calling 
in your life. That God wants you to have a plan and, and to expect. God wants you to expect. I'm expecting. I, I say this. I just said this to my son this morning. I met with our team this week. I, I'm 57. I don't plan on dying next week, all right? I got some more hunting to do, okay? But I'm preparing them. I'm preparing them that whenever this day comes, that, that I'm, man, I'm expecting this generation to take this ministry a thousand ways farther than I could ever take it. And I, I see my, their families blessed, their children blessed. And I see I, I, entrepreneur, I see favor of God. I, I see it on all of them. I see it on you. And if you don't see it on yourself, it won't come. And, and I want to challenge some of you that you need to go back to your families and start speaking prophetically over them and declaring the favor and the blessing of God. And you, you need to start speaking against those curses and you need to start declaring God's blessing upon your family and let the enemy know this household, we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. It, there can be diseases. There can be obstacles. There can be stop. There can be pain. There can be hurt. You can't stop us. We're unstoppable. Matter of fact, you're just ticking us off. And you really don't want to go there. Are you with me today? So I want to challenge you today. Make up your mind that you know what? We're not the only family going through this. This has been happening since the beginning. This is why the enemy's been attacking my family. He doesn't want us fulfilling the purpose and the plan of God on this earth. He doesn't want us blessed. But you know what? We're going to change that because our family's called the unstoppable family. In Jesus' name. Amen. You receive God's word today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray over this house today, and I just pray your blessing. And, and God, that you just let your word, God, be more than in our ears, but let it get in our hearts. Let us receive your word today. And God, I just pray over this household that I'm honored to pastor, blessed to pastor, Lord. And I thank you for them today. And I pray over every family, God, here today. And God, there's families going through stuff. There's families going through generational curses, Lord. There all these things that have come against our families. But today, Father, we declare it's a new season. It's a new moment, God, and we're going to walk out the blessing and the favor that you have for our families. And we declare to heaven and hell today, we're unstoppable. We are unstoppable in God, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if, if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today, and, and, and I don't know Jesus. I, I'm, I'm in a place right now that I know God's real, and I know he does love me, but I, I want to just let him know today, you know what? I'm tired of running, and I'm ready to run home. And I just need you today in my life. Pray for me. If that's you, would you just slip a hand right where you sit? God bless you. God bless you. I'm just ready to say yes to God today. It's my day. Say yes. Anyone else? You see, that's me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you today. Anyone? If you raise your hand or you did not, or maybe you're on live streaming, you say, I need God in my life today, Pastor. Pray for me. Pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus. I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I could be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you join me and let's give a hand to these that have prayed today. God bless you.